Hello, entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Laura L. Bernhard. Welcome back to the Marketing Bound Podcast, where we help you leverage inbound marketing strategies to grow your business. This week, I interview Jeff Harry. He believes that adults need to rediscover their play. But don't get put off by the word play. Because play means discovering your creativity and following your curiosity to find new opportunities for your business. So if you're listening to this podcast, this episode really prepares you to show up for your inbound marketing strategies that you want to implement this year. To give you a little summary of the value that Jeff provides, he reveals the tools on how to get your creative juices flowing, how to never have a bad day again, actionable advice to unleash your potential, and tips on how to actually show up in this world the way you were supposed to. This episode is especially useful if you catch yourself making up excuses as to why you can't create a video for LinkedIn or you can't go live on Instagram or why you can't write a weekly blog. This episode will help you get over your own BS and find the opportunities you've been missing out on. I think this conversation is a great way to kick off the year and encourage you to take action for your business. And with that, let's kick off the intro music. Jeffrey Harry is here on the Marketing Bound podcast. Oh, welcome! <laughs> I just want everyone to know that we spent the last 20 minutes laughing and giggling and talking about stuff. Um, so I hope this interview is a fun mess. Why? Because of your purpose. Okay. Jeff Harry believes that adults should rediscover their play. Mm-hmm. Why is rediscovering your play important? And can you give us a couple examples? Sure. Um, why is play important? Um, your favorite moments in your entire life are play moments. That's one reason. Second, um, the opposite of play is depression. Oh. Uh, third reason, uh, if you look at any organization, the future is where people are having the most fun, as Steven Johnson says. So any organization that is not playing is going to become the next blockbuster. So when you think about it that way, right? <laughs> like who's having fun right now? If you think about it, so many people are having fun on TikTok. TikTok mm-hmm. is a really, you know, amazing app. You know, I mean, I don't like Jeff Bezos, but back in 1998, I was watching a documentary about this he was solving the most interesting tech problems at the time. So everyone wanted to go and hang out there because that's where all the fun was happening. You know, even if people weren't getting paid then. So it's like, whoever is playing the most is not only going to be the most adaptable, they'll be the most resilient. And also people just want to be there because it will be so much more fun to be there than anywhere else in the working world. So, my next question is twofold because on one side there's the entrepreneur that needs play and on the other side where big corporations need play. And I know you've worked with Microsoft and Amazon, the yeah. NFL. So you go into these companies and what, what do you do? How are you helping these companies? So I run an organization called Rediscover Your Play. And what we do is we combine positive psychology and play to help them dress, address their most challenging issues. 
So what I noticed, so, I mean, I, I can tell you the whole life story in a moment if you want to hear it, <laughs> you know, here we go. Um, but I've been, I had been working with companies running team building events for like the last seven, 10 years, right? But what I noticed at the same time that they claimed they were innovative, disruptive, agile, all those like buzzwords, mm-hmm. right? They were not fun places to work. I mean, we're talking about the Facebooks, the Googles, the Adobes. There was... It, some of these teams were not play oriented at all. So people weren't willing to take risks. So it was just like, well, why aren't they? And as I explored it more, I realized they had not addressed bigger issues like how to deal with a toxic person at work, how to deal with office politics, how to have a hard conversation, how to not be racist at work by accident, how to you know deal with uh, your inner critic, how to get your staff in flow, like all of these issues they had not addressed. And if you weren't able to address any of those issues to make it a psychologically safe work environment, you can't do all of the innovative stuff that they were asking their staff to do. That makes sense. But how do you go to these companies and convince them that they should be hiring you and not somebody else? Why shouldn't they be hiring coaches? I mean, they could as well. I mean, the thing is, is like when I go into, like I just did something for the Department of Homeland Security, right? And, um, you know, it was a workshop on dealing with a-holes at work through play. Like that is the name of the workshop, dealing with toxic people through Mm -hmm. play. And the reason why is because not a lot of people want to touch that. They just don't, you know, you know, how do you have, how do you deal with office politics? There's a lot of people that are like, let's do this. And we're going to practice this agile way and this communication way, but they're not like cutting through all the bullshit and being Mm -hmm. like, how do I be real with people while also not attacking their character, but addressing their behavior. So that's part of the reason why, like, I don't know that many other people that are willing to tackle this, these hard conversations head on in a play oriented way where, and when I mean by play is we actually have people practice how to have a hard conversation. So like I was running this with my colleague Gary in, in Australia and, you know, and people were both laughing and crying in the workshop. And why were they crying? Part of the reason was because they didn't realize, this is our dealing with a-holes at work workshop, right? They didn't realize they were the only, they, they, they thought they were the only ones that left their job because of someone toxic. And to hear so many other stories of other people, that mm-hmm. sense of belonging, that sense of like having someone understand and see you for you was just so huge for a lot of people that felt validated by their own experiences. I love how specific your mission is. It's very much... Go, it's just helping people have these hard conversations, rediscovering their play and be the most productive and also the happiest that they can be. So how do you, how do you infuse play into your day as an entrepreneur? That's a great question. <laughs> so um, I was just, I was just telling you, right. I, I'm on TikTok, right. I've, I've, I freaking love it. The reason why I love it is because people are just messing around. They're not taking them ser- themselves seriously like they are on Instagram or other, um, you know, platforms. So I usually start my day by making a TikTok video, even if I don't post it. The idea of, of positively priming my day, I learned a lot of this from positive psychology. You can actually prime your day 
to see it in a playful, like fun way. So when I make a creative TikTok for nobody, right? It doesn't have an ROI. It has no productive value. I'm not making any money from it. I'm just doing it because it, I freaking love it, right? Mm -hmm. You know, and then I do that. Then I see everything else as like play throughout my day. So for example, I made a TikTok this morning and then, um, um, uh, was it my friend Desiree taught me this trick of like when something really cool happens, you should ask yourself the question, how can it get any better than this? And you ask it from a very curious way, like, oh, how can it get any better than this? So I made this TikTok this morning. Oh, how can it get any better than this? Oh, then I hopped on this really interesting conversation with my friend Michelle in Hawaii and helped her with, you know, figuring out her life. Oh, how can it get any better than this? Oh, now Laura and I are talking on her podcast. How can it get any better than this? And you just keep stacking on, right? Mm -hmm. And you're just like, this is dope. And you, you start like seeing your day in a really fun, adventurous way, right? Like your Bilbo Baggins, like I'm on an adventure, you know? <laughs> the, the opposite of that, which a lot of people do, is they start their day looking at news, which actually makes you 20% less productive right from the get-go, right? Because That's an interesting fact. Priming yourself to look for the negativity, mm -hmm. but then when you have a bad moment, or let's say when you have a bad day, I challenge people whenever people say I had a bad day, because I'm like, no, you didn't have a bad day. You had a bad moment, and then thoughts last between nine seconds and 90 seconds, and then you ran that bad moment in your head a thousand times over. Oh, snap. So, and then you, you ruminated about that bad moment and then looked for other bad moments throughout your day. So as an mm. entrepreneur, you have to be very careful not to do that because then you can get into a negative spiral, mm -hmm. which happens a lot in psychology, right? You know, we have a negative, negativity bias in the first place. Our prefrontal cortex, our inner critics always having us look out for dangers instead of looking out for opportunities. But when you're in that, how can it get any better than this state, like that travel-oriented, play-oriented mindset where you're saying yes to everything and you're open, you actually are in a flow state and you start producing your best work. I'm wondering, I know you've been working on this message for months now because you've been on so many podcasts, just spreading your message about rediscovering your play. Have you ever met someone who didn't agree with you? Oh yeah, uh, quite a few people. And yeah. what, what would they say? I mean, I remember coaching, um, a lawyer, right? And she was like, I don't play. And I was like, okay, well, what do you do? And then she, go, and I was like, what do you do in your law job? And she goes, I take people that hate each other. And then I get them to agree on one thing. And I find that really interesting. And she, I was like, tell me more. And as she was sharing this, she started to nerd out about it. And I was like, that's your play. Because when I, when I say play, the way I define play is any joyful act where you're fully present in the moment, where you've like fallen in love with the process. And where there's no results. Where there's no results, no purpose. Mm -hmm. You don't have anxiety about the future. You don't have regrets about the past. You are just fully there. And that's key what you said, right? It's no results because adults are so results oriented mm -hmm. and expectations are the thief of joy, right? Like when you have such 
focus, expectations, and results. The reason why 2020 has been so hard for so many people is because they had such high expectations of what 2020 was going to be. This was the year I was going to double my business. This is the year I was going to get married. This is the year I was going to leave my job. This is the year I was, I was going to change my life. Why? Because it's 2020 and I'm going to do everything, <laughs> right? Like, right. Okay. And then none of that happened. Mm -hmm. And as I do in my Your Futures Where Your Fun workshop with my colleague Lauren Yee, we literally would have people write out the things they wanted to do in 2020 that weren't gonna happen. And we had them fold them up into paper airplanes and let that stuff go. And the reason why was I was like, you can't create anything with the last 29 days that we have in this year until mm -hmm. you let go of all that BS or all that, all that stuff that you can't actually make happen this year, right? <laughs> Can I tell you a funny story? Yeah, sure. So I don't, because I guess it was 2020, there was so much hype around 2020, like turn mm -hmm. of, the, of uh, the decade of the year. Like there was so many people talking about it. And on January 1st, I missed my train. And I was like, damn, this is not going to be a good year. <laughs> it was you. It I knew. Because <laughs> I was in the train station when the train left. But I just wasn't at the, the terminal or whatever it is. And I was like, wow, this is just not going to be a good year. I just didn't realize it wasn't going to be a good year for everybody. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Right, that it was going to be like a hundred year pandemic type. Yeah. Year. But, yeah. But let, I mean, let's talk about this, right? So at the same time that it's just been so tough and so hard mm -hmm. and so many people have lost loved ones, so many people have lost their jobs. All these things are happening, right? It's such a tumultuous year. This also has, also, has challenged us, especially because a lot of us had to be locked down or in quarantine it has challenged us to like redefine like what it means to be happy and fulfilled, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's challenged you to be like, are you attaching your self-worth to your productivity as my friend Angie Cole says? And now that you can't be productive, are you not, do you not have worth anymore because mm -hmm. you're not making as much money? That challenges you, you know, it challenges you to think like, do I want to go back to normal? Because I actually hated normal. Normal sucked, mm -hmm. you know, like the 40 hour work week. I mean, don't get me started about that. But like, you know, just the idea of the eight hour work day is ab absurd. It's it, flawed. Well, well, it's like, here's me nerding out on it, right? The eight hour work day was invented in 1817 by this dude named Robert Owen, Welsh labor activist. Then no one touched it for a hundred years. Then all of a sudden, Henry Ford instituted it in his assembly lines at Ford, and he only did it because no one was coming to work because it was the Great Depression, and no one wanted to work 11 to 15 hours and die on his assembly lines. So he reduced it to eight hours, and then he doubled everyone's salary, which was like such a big deal at the time. Mm -hmm. So people were like, whoa, gosh, okay, fine, eight hours. Um, since 1926, 94 years, nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. Yet, like all these studies find that the average worker can only focus for like two hours and 53 minutes in a day. And our, and our day has now extended from, um, from eight hours to 8.8 .8 hours by the Bureau of Labor Statistics. So what 
in the world are we doing for five and a half freaking hours that we are not focused? Like, okay, just, we're just question. Doing, we're just doing BS work. So like yeah. you leaving as an entrepreneur, that corporate job of BS work to actually do what you want to do is, is a, is a godsend to you. It's like, it's a, it's an, it's an opportunity. Okay. As an entrepreneur, because yeah. people leave their corporate jobs to work for themselves. Everyone's super excited to do that, yeah. but then they end up working longer hours. Right. right? So how many hours do you work in a day? Um, it depends. It could be six hours. It could be eight hours. Sometimes it could be like nine or 10 hours, but I think here's the difference, right? And my friend, Stephen Worley or my business mentor as well taught me this is like, as an entrepreneur, don't you want to get paid to be you? Right. Mm -hmm. So like, what does that actually mean for each individual? Everyone has to figure out how they want to get paid. Like, how do you actually want to work? Right. So I love to start, I love, you know, making TikToks in the morning. Sometimes I like watching Netflix in the morning to inspire me. Like I get to do whatever I want because I'm the boss. And, you know, and I realize like, you know, when I'm not working, I'm not making money, but do I need to do it the exact same way I did it at my corporation? That's what a lot of people do is they, I was working 70 hours and now I got to work 80 hours to, to create my business. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. That's mm -hmm. for you you to figure out on your own and no and, and 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 as much books as you read and as much like people telling you what you should do you know can i swear on this podcast <laughs> fuck those people dude fuck them and here's the reason why you should fuck them and fuck me too well at the same time and is is you should only take the advice that 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 resonates with you mm -hmm. and frankly like any Anything that I'm saying, if it does resonate with you, the only reason it resonates with you is because you've already told yourself that already. You already have all the answers that you need. So anyone that is pitching the truth or pitching this idea of like, this is what you need to do during a pandemic, or this is how you need to pivot during a pandemic. I just want to go up to them and be like, oh, were you here in 1918? Because if you weren't, you need to shut the fuck up. You just need to shut the fuck up because you don't know what you're talking about either. We're all making this shit up as we go along. Mm -hmm. Nobody knows. There's no right answer, right? If someone told me, a year ago, you should advertise on TikTok. It would be like, that's a really bad idea. No, it wasn't. Like, you just don't know. You know, if someone told me that Evan, this 10-year-old, would be making millions of dollars opening up toys for a living, right? Or my friend Jake, who, who makes money playing video games all day. Like, like, nobody knows what's next. So we need to stop listening to all the noise, and, and start like listening to like our own inner child and our own intuition and see where that curiosity takes us. I love that. You just tied everything together at the end because I also think that entrepreneurship, like you can work longer hours, but it's also part of your play because it's usually exactly. something that you love to do. Right. And right. that you want to do. You don't mind spending maybe extra hours calling people, talking to people. Maybe that's something you love. Exactly. 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 I mean, when I thought of like what my marketing was going to be for my 
you know, I know what to do. I, I know I can send cold emails and send ads out and mm-hmm. blah, 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 and all this social media and all this stuff. And I was just like, you know what I love to do right now? I really want to just talk to people mm-hmm. because I think that would just be super fun. And I made that choice in like May, right? April, May. And now I've been on like 87 podcasts in like seven months. Yeah. And it's yeah, just that's like, a lot. And it's a lot, right? And I probably applied to like a 300 or some obscene number, but it was like, this was fun for me. This is fun for me. This is great. Mm -hmm. You know, this also helped me hone my own message. So I got all these other benefits. And then I got work out of this, which I didn't even plan on doing because I was just simply just talking about this just to have fun, right? So it's, it's, again, it's follow your curiosity, follow the thing that you like to do and maybe it will work, maybe it won't, but like be open to the experimentation process because you are the expert of yourself. You know yourself better than anyone else. So you shouldn't be listening to anyone else, especially if you don't, if their advice doesn't resonate with you. Yeah, no, especially. And there's so many people giving their own advice these days that you have to be very selective. Uh-huh. Yeah. However, I do want to dive into what you said before about podcasts. So you're, you reached out to over 300 podcasts. Yeah. Probably 400. So when you made that decision mm-hmm. to say, okay, I want to be on podcasts, did you realize how much work that was going to be? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea. It was just like, it just was one email at a time, right? It was just like, you know, and that, that's kind of, I don't know, I just heard this on a, on a podcast where someone was like, um, so exhausted because they were like, oh, I have... You know, I guess he was at this monastery because, of course, he was having some epiphany, you know, and at the monastery, he was cleaning all these dishes and he had to do all the dishes for 300 guests. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, he goes to the monk and he's just like, I'm going to be doing these for like the next like two, three days. And he goes, no, you're not. He's like, well, what do you mean? He's just like, you're doing one dish. That's all you're doing. You're just doing one dish at a time. Mm -hmm. That's it. That's all you're doing. And then he saw it that way and he used it as like a meditative process. So kind of, I never planned to reach out to this many. Mm-hmm. I just planned to get the next one out, you know? And it was interesting to me because then I would also research podcasts and like find you, for example, and then find interesting things about you and being like, oh, this is how we relate. And that was fascinating to me because I'm just fascinated by people. So I didn't see it as work. Now, if I had been doing it and after a while I was like, this is boring or this sucks, mm-hmm. I would just stop. I'd just stop and do something else. You, you, know? you wouldn't consider yourself a failure. No, no. I, I, feel like, I feel like we spend so much time beating ourselves up and shooting on ourselves and wondering what's the right way. Mm-hmm. And like if, if, if 2020 has taught you anything, there is no right way, right? There's only your way. Mm-hmm. So you should figure out your way, your way of running your business, your way of doing things. Um, yeah. And that can go into a whole other rant if you want, but like, <laughs> you know, but this idea of, of why we, why as adults is so hard for us to play. Let me know if you want me to go into that, but like, because we don't allow ourselves to play, it prevents us from seeing all of the opportunities that we have in front of us as entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. There's so many things we can do right now, but because we're looking for the right way, we're missing out on all those opportunities. Ooh, that's a great, have, has that ever happened to you? 
Do you think that's ever happened to you? What do you mean? Have you ever, during your entrepreneurial career, have you ever been blindsided by what you thought you needed to do? Yeah, all the time. Okay, yeah. like what? Um, let me think of one. So before I had my own business, I helped grow the largest Lego inspired STEM business, like mm -hmm. in the, like in the country. Um, and for the longest time, I, um, thought that there was no, like I was playing with Lego for a living. Right. So I was like teaching kids engineering with Lego and it was like this really huge organization, but I never thought we could work with tech companies like at all. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, I prevented myself from ever reaching out to them for for so many years until one reached out to us and asked us to do like visa reached out to us and asked us to do a team building event and then we were like uh yeah of course we totally do those all the time even though we didn't we didn't do we had never done one in our life but only after i had broken through that limiting belief because i was told myself like they'll never take us seriously we don't have any of like the experience then I just started reaching out to freaking everybody, dude. Like mm -hmm. I remember watching a Marvel movie and seeing the VP of creative surfaces on there. And then I reached out to her like that day on LinkedIn, she got back to me. Like it was, just, and then I just realized this is not that hard. Oh my gosh, I can work anywhere I want. I can work for any company I want. I'm just, if you're willing to reach out to enough people Maybe it's going to work out, right? I'm doing that right now with podcasts. I'm reaching out to like, you know, some of the top podcasters like in the world. I don't, I'm even, I even applied to Brene Brown. There's no way she's going to say yes, but I don't care. Maybe, why not? Let me Yeah, she them, might. Right? She, I mean, that's the thing is like questioning our own limiting beliefs. And then the other one example that I give is Elizabeth Gilbert says this a lot. Personal transformation doesn't happen until you get, you get tired of your own bullshit, right? Right? And how, much, how many of us are, are, what is your bullshit? What bullshit mm -hmm. have you been telling yourself? So up until March, I had been telling myself, I didn't have time to make videos. No time. I didn't have time to make videos. I'm not good on video. I don't like my voice. I hate editing videos, blah, 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 whatever. All my inner critic stuff, like not ready to make videos. Mm -hmm. And then quarantine happened and it was like, guess what, Jeff? You have all the time, all the freaking time. No, you don't get to do anything else. You just have all this time. And you've seen some of these ridiculous videos that I've made, but I just started making them. And now I'm making one like almost every day or every other day. And it's not that hard anymore. And it was because I, I called myself out on my own BS. So that would be the challenge I would have for your, for your listeners is like, what BS have you been telling yourself? Write that down and then what, and then ask yourself and maybe even do this with your friends of like, how do I get over this fucking BS? Why am I not writing blogs? Why have I not reached out to that company I've been wanting to work with for so long? Mm -hmm. You know, why have I not like pursued, why have I not pivoted or whatever and done the thing that I actually want to do instead of just pursuing money? Because I know a lot of people that are, that created businesses and then they're just pursuing what they think people want instead of doing the thing that they want to do. What is your advice for entrepreneurs who may be stressed? So maybe yeah. quarantine affected them more than, you know, the entrepreneurs that we're talking about who saw the opportunities. 
So let's say they're stressed. Maybe their business is not doing as well. How, what would be your advice for them? Ooh, I got three things if you're ready. And make sure you're writing these down, people. Okay. okay. So, so the first, so you, my uh, play mentor Gwen Gordon taught me this. You cannot play in an anxiety-ridden state. You can't play when you're angry. You can't play when you're sad. Mm -hmm. Like, it's hard, right? So you, and you actually, in order to play, you need to learn how to soothe yourself, like, like calm yourself down. And you learn how to nurture yourself from the person that took care of you the most, right? Mm -hmm. So whoever took care of you the most, you adopt that way. So you have to first recognize that, like, okay, how did I learn? Who taught me how to soothe myself? Because what are my coping mechanisms to actually calm myself down? That is so interesting. I know, yes. right? Yeah. But that makes sense, right? And if yeah. they didn't know how to do it, then they passed on that trauma to you, right? Yeah. So you can figure that out. So then, okay, some of the ways that I soothe myself, I love taking showers. When I'm in a shower, all of a sudden my ideas start coming. That mm -hmm. happens for a lot of people. Other people love doing that when they're like walking or running or playing basketball or doing morning pages and writing three pages in a row. Like there's something you do where you get a flush of ideas, right? Mm -hmm. So you first have to consider doing that, right? Get to that soothing place. Then I challenge people to get bored like really bored, like the way, I know a play guy saying this, the way in which you got bored as a kid, because if you think about it, when did your best ideas come as a kid? When you were freaking bored, when you were out in the playground, you're like, I don't know what to do, entertain me, mommy. And they're like, no, figure it out. You know, and then you just had to figure it out. You also came up with your most dangerous ideas, but also your exciting ideas, right? How do you get bored? Stop binge watching Netflix. Stop looking at social media. And I'm not talking about forever. I'm talking about a couple hours, one to two hours, maybe. Ooh. You know, I know <laughs> a lot of time, goodness, you know, put down your phone because you have to remember that the amount of information we get in a day, people in the 1950s got that in a year. So that's the amount of information embedding into your brain and all that information is telling you you're not enough you need to buy this thing in order to be enough you know and you don't know what you're talking you don't know who you are right it's constantly mm -hmm. telling you what you want so if you can block out that noise and get bored finally you get quiet enough so that you can actually start to hear that inner child that inner curiosity that like inner superhero and then it's going to start whispering crazy ideas to you One's like, start a podcast, create a video, you know, um, reach out to that person you've been wanting to reach out to forever. Do that thing that you've been scared to do, but also so excited to do. Book that trip in 2021, even though you don't know when it's going to happen, right? Like, like these crazy ideas. And then you start to follow those crazy ideas and see whichever ones take. So like that's, that's one way, right? But let's say you're like, oh, I've tried that and it's so hard. Okay, I've done that. Then I would reach out to your friends. And, and this, is, this is one I really enjoy. You reach out to three to five of your closest friends, especially as an entrepreneur. And you can even reach out to your clients if you're an entrepreneur because maybe they know you better than your friends do. And you're going to ask them these two questions. And actually, this might work even better with clients for entrepreneurs. But you reach out and you ask them this question. What value do I bring to your life? Because I think a lot of entrepreneurs don't 
know or have forgotten the value that they bring to people, you know? And if you're asking your friends, same thing, what value do I bring to your life? What do I do for you? And then the second question I ask people all the time is, when have you seen me most alive? And that's a question for your friends. Like, when have you seen me most playful, most engaged, most present, most fulfilled, most joyful? Like all that falls under the idea of when have you seen me most alive? And the reason Mm -hmm. I ask that is because of the Howard Thurman quote of like, don't ask what the world needs, ask what makes you come alive. Because what the world needs is for more people to come alive, right? That's the work we're doing. Right. That is the impactful work, the, the flow work where you forget about time. So after you ask, what value do I bring to your life? And, you know, when have you seen me come most alive? Getting those answers back give you so much information as to how are you not playing and how can you play? Did and you ask your friends that? Yeah. And you know what happened? What? That's how I got the name of my organization. Oh. Rediscover your play. Because they would be like, you help me rediscover yourself. You help me uh, give me permission to play more. You, you help me uh, tap into my inner child, my inner curiosity. And I kept hearing all this stuff. And I, would, I wrote it all down and looked at it. And I was just like, do I help people rediscover their play? And then my friends would be like, yes, that's exactly what you do. So like your friends can help you, guide you in like where your, your business might go next. And it also is just, if you're feeling distraught, getting all that love back, right? And feeling all that, like, oh, that's so good, you know? And then the last thing, if still both those things don't help, then I implore you to try the Tipsy Storm. And which the Storm, we which created. I feel like we need to do, uh, you know? I was there when you created that. Exactly, exactly. Laura actually inspired this. And it's where you get Mm -hmm. a bunch of your friends together. You are trying to solve an issue. But before you do that, you get a little tipsy Mm -hmm. with whatever you want, whether that's alcohol, chocolate, ice cream, whatever, you know, you do to do, you do you, (laughs) boo-boo. And, and... And you brainstorm a bunch of ideas. You write them all down on this like big whiteboard or post it. Mm -hmm. And then you go to bed. And then in the morning you wake up and you look at that list and whichever one resonates most with you, you circle that and you let your friends know like, hey, I'm doing this and I need your help to do this. Do all those things and then come back to me to see if you haven't found your play. (laughs) Do you have like a success rate for these things? Oh, I don't know if I have a success rate, but, but everyone, all the clients that I work with, all the entrepreneurs and solopreneurs that I work with, mm-hmm. none of them have come back to me after they do even one of these and, and don't have a bunch of ideas of what to do next. Okay. That's awesome. So for the listeners, so, you have to try one of these things and then get back to us and see uh-huh. how it went. Yeah. Love it. So before ending this interview, Jeffrey, no, Christopher, I, what is the one thing you want people to take away from our conversation? (laughs) Just one. Can I say two things? Okay, fine. Say two. Okay. One's quick and then one's longer. Okay. Two things. First thing, no one knows what they're doing. Nobody (laughs) knows. Good one. Including me. None of us know. No one is like really an expert. They're Mm -hmm. the expert of themselves and they give you advice based off of their expertise, right? So 
I'll say something, you know, and be like, hey, this has worked out for me. But anyone that's telling you, like, this is what you should do, if it doesn't resonate with you, don't listen to them because they don't know you. They, they're not in your shoes, right? But then the second one, and this is the one I love to share, is I love to goodwill hunt your listeners. Can I goodwill hunt your listeners? Yeah. <laughs> so remember goodwill hunting, right? Yeah. End of goodwill hunting. You know, for anyone that hasn't watched the movie, Matt Damon's a genius. He can have any job he wants, multi-million dollar jobs. And, and at the end of the movie, he's sitting at a construction site with Ben Affleck. They're working construction. And Ben asks him, like, when are you going to take one of these jobs, right? And Matt goes, oh, I'm not, you know? Like, I'm going to work construction. You're going to raise our kids at Foley Field. And, you know, like, you know, I'm going to be here for the next 20 years. And Ben turns to him and is like, if you fucking here in 20 years i'm gonna kill you like i'm gonna fucking kill you and he goes what 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 i what i owe it to myself and he's like no 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 you don't owe it to yourself you owe it to me and you owe it to everyone else at this construction site because you are sitting on a winning lottery ticket and you're too scared to cash it in and that that is what each and every one of your listeners have is you're sitting on a winning lottery ticket. You're sitting on something that makes you come most alive. And here's the challenge. And here's the thing is like, somebody is waiting for you to freaking show up so they can show up. They can't show up until you show up. The mm -hmm. only reason why you're hearing this is because Laura was like, I'm going to freaking make a podcast. And she showed up giving me permission to share this story so that now you can hear this. And now it's on you to show up to, to have the ripple effect for the next person to do it. And that is like the impact when we say like, do you want to change the world? Like this is what you can do by simply showing up fully as you. So my challenge to your listeners is, are you ready to show up? Oh, snap. <laughs> that was a great, that was a great way to end this conversation. I'm just going to leave it at that. I love that. Thank you so much for chatting with me today. Woohoo! Thank you for having me. <laughs>